So I was reading this book, Change Maker, by John Berardi, who's the founder of Precision Nutrition, which is what I think is one of the best personal training body transformation health companies doing anything right now. Uh, but he wrote this book, Change Maker, about his career and what he thinks people in the industry need to do because of what he sees as like a failure of the personal training model in that personal trainers become pigeonholed into what they think personal training is. And if you want to become bigger than just the guy at 24 hour fitness, you've got to like have the Instagram, you got to be buff, you got to do photo shoots, you got to do all this stuff. But his career was defined by not doing all of that. And instead by focusing in on things that he was actually good at. And the thing I wanted to pitch to you was this interesting discussion of uh, talk like what your real expertise is. And what he mentioned was his real expertise more than anything else is he's the kind of guy that when you tell him a project he's working on or you're working on, he's like, Oh, have you tried blank? Like I've got ideas about that. Right. Um, And so he's never truly created a product, but he's been instrumental to the development of them going along. And by embracing that, it's what led his career to move forward. And what I think is interesting about that is that speaks to like the, the, the amount that all of us let the narrative of what our industries do and be control what our skill set is. Because as you said, like you think of yourself primarily as an editor, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, if they were to guess, they're like, what's a chef? A chef is a creator. Yeah. Because yeah. if you say you have experience as a chef, but what you mean is like in Bourdain's book, when he talks about working at one of those touristy New Jersey yeah, and fish shops, like, and being part of like a pirate's crew. And he juxtaposes that with like, you know, he goes to one of his colleagues who's like, you know, won all the Michelin three stars. And that guy, it's spotless back there. It's quiet. Everyone's working. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's two examples of two separate businesses that are run in separate ways. And to succeed at either one isn't the same skill set, you know? Well, beyond that, yeah. No, it, it can't be. Right. People don't even know the etymology of the word. You know what I mean? Like, chef comes from the same root word as jefe. It just means boss. <laughs> like, 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 being a private chef is literally like shitting on etymology. It's like saying, like, I don't even know what my job is. Like, it's like jumbo shrimp. Servant. Like, <laughs> like, like you are not a chef. A chef is in charge of other people. I am not trying to self-aggrandize. I'm just talking about a, etymology. <laughs> right. The difference between a cook and a chef is a cook is the guy preparing the food. A chef is in charge of a kitchen. Yeah. No, in, in the French government, like you have a chef de agriculture. You have a chef of, you know, e- economy. You have a chef... Like, it just means boss. It has nothing to do with cooking. Um, it is unfortunate that, like, modern cooking shows uh, perpetuate the stereotype that chefs cook, which is nuts. Because only chefs can apply to them, but only chefs don't cook. Anyway, any rate, 
Uh, yeah, no, exactly that. Like I'm this. Very upset by what I just said, but it's true. Like no, absolutely. Shows over cooks, and it's a very rare combination that you're a chef and a cook that's actually good at what they do. Um, there's no chef competition. There's only cook competitions. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the closest thing maybe to a chef competition then would be like Dinner Impossible with James Irvine. Where I can't say that if I ever actually watch that. Well, the premise is he shows up and there's some restaurateur that has a big job that they're not prepared for. And James Irvine comes in all buff and is like, let's do this. We're going to make 500 plates of, you know, whatever. No, that's what Gordon does too. Gordon is editing, right? Like that that is a good example of a chef being a chef. Despite how little I like him. Like he's editing. But Um, what's interesting is, yeah, you might say his genius is editing, but he's not like a failure as a cook either no, 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 no. very good that's what makes the good people good is like your cook and your chef like it's just not they're not related skills to be that's what makes it deceptive right is because the good people make it look effortless to be both the chef and really good at cooking but those aren't the same skill set they're wildly juxtaposed actually um but people are fed this uh this story of like what a chef is and what a chef needs to be um i mean i mean sure but like uh and 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 bourdain contributed to this too like he like Mm. this like persona of like what makes a chef good like as much as we love him and god and everybody like loves him more than i do like and what he did but like it it also like perpetuated like a lot of like ideas about like how people perceive you know what a chef does and yes he he even even like outside of his books you know he he really he really did break down some barriers but that that doesn't mean that like just because his voice was cool and he was skinny and he had like a lot of good post-drug history that like it made sense right well he re-glamorized being a chef but as exactly what we're saying, like the image of being a chef maybe didn't need to be re-glamorized as a whole. Yeah, no, I know. I I think he was he was so very. Um, I'm I'm not gonna say he was Hemingway. Just he was so very Scott Scott Fitzgerald, and he just never realized it. Uh, he he was the guy who who the book was written about. The only problem is we had no Hemingway to, to write the book about him. Right, right. He, he didn't have a character in our industry. An amazing chronicler of his times and yet also sort of subsumed into the worst excesses of it. Exactly. Like, like if if that was the Roaring Twenties, like he, he was absolutely Fitzgerald. Like a yeah. lot of people would prefer to draw the parallels to Hemingway, but like Hemingway never... I mean, he, 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 I would get shot in the face because I said he didn't romanticize things, but like, um, but that's not what, that's not in the same way, nearly any Hemingway sort of like forged this unique voice that was so his own. Whereas when we think of this Gerald, we think of the jazz age. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, he was of the jazz age. He, like, defined that age. Like, Fitzgerald was was a part of a paradigm. And that's what Bourdain was, right? Like, he, yes. he was the best voice of a paradigm. And that Bourdain is might have been, like, the dying the gasp of that image of a chef. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, even the – he was the image of the reformed chef. He was hanging out with Jose and with uh, Eric and with everybody. And like, and he, he made everything better. So people hang on to it as a paradigm shift. It was called mm -hmm. 2000, right? It was called, um, you know, no reservations or parts unknown as opposed to whatever um, it was before. Like, it, like he made a paradigm shift and people lived by it. And people yes. Lived. And that's beautiful. But I think one of my favorite moments on his show is he's in a Southeast Asian country um, at a little local place eating and the Obama comes in there, <laughs> not the Obama one, but the people who work there recognize him. And then there's like a older sort of matriarch kind of lady who's there and she yells at them because she's seen him on TV and they're like, oh, she wants us to ask you like what you think of the food. And he's like, oh, it's really great. And, you know, does the Bourdain thing. And then she's like, I knew it. Like, he always says the food's good. He's never said it's bad. That's awesome. And it made me laugh. But I also think that was like part of the genius of the show. Exactly. That he went all over and he ate everything. And he did his best to contextualize it and explain why the people that like it like it so much. Whether or not he was into it. Right, but but the other half of the genius of the show and of, of him was it was it was always meta, regardless of Kitchen Confidential or um, or Parts Unknown, like from beginning to end, it was always meta. He was always talking about what the producers wanted, why he didn't want to do what the producers wanted, um, why this would be the right shot, why that lady would complain that like the budget of the show was like a character on the show. Like routinely it would be brought up as like, okay, our producer said we don't have the budget to like do this, so we have to blank. And our producer said we have to stay in Lebanon because we're getting bombed and our producer like like and he became the, the character of his own show starring the producer. Right? Yes. The producer starred. Anthony, the idea of, of pulling off the show was the premise of the show, right? Like, can we actually get Bourdain there to do this without anything going wrong? No, that he was a supporting character to his own show and nobody ever realized it. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I think that was always a star. That, <laughs> like, it was like Dick Van Dyke, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. he was so Dick Van Dyke-y of him. Like, he was like, oh, I'm just this guy who's hapless and just, like, happening, you know? And, yes. Uh, yeah. And that, I think that speaks a lot to, like, his psychology, um, both, like, what made it great in that he realized removing the host from the show could showcase so many cool things, but also in that the character he was, he could never give himself credit for what he was doing. Um, there was that episode where he's in Argentina and goes to the psychotherapist. Yep. Have you seen that one? Yep. Um, yeah, because there's some stat like, you know, I'm going to butcher this, but like 70 plus percent of Argentinians in their major city uh, 
attend therapy. They have a ton of therapists. They have more, they, they have like therapists per capita. Like we have yoga teachers, you know, like just thank God somebody's doing it. Right. Right. And so what's amazing is Bourdain's trying to get to the bottom of this because he was also paralleling that with like their sort of cowboy culture, right? You know, they've yeah. got a lot of like, you know, machismo and people yeah. doing other stuff. That American like bootstraps, like stereotypes so much. Yeah. Right. Right. So he went into both interview a psychotherapist but also have a psychotherapy session of which portions of it got recorded and played for us and the big thing for him is he was asking about all of that and uh the psychotherapist was like you know these macho argentinians you don't talk about your feelings to your friends and that's precisely why they want therapists right to maintain that you know level of like stoic you know, not interacting with each other sort of manliness. She like, or rather saying it wasn't in contradiction with their culture. And uh, more to the point I was trying to get at, Bourdain, when he was going through his own psychoanalysis, talked about this feeling he has of the inherent narcissism of being a TV show host. Like he can never escape, no matter what he's doing, the fact that he is the center of action. He did escape. Let's be fair. You, well, that was the problem: is that he he felt simultaneously stymied, like trapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was a prison of his own creation. Right. Uh, he said it all the time when he would describe it as like best job in the world while he was complaining. Right. No, exactly. I mean that that's why the producer role like lives as his extracurricular his uh his kind of like ego you know what i mean he would just he was just his id right and uh i i think the producer well maybe he was id and the ego and the producer was super ego i feel like by decentering himself and trying to deflect so much of the action onto the camera crew, the, the other producers, the budget, all that. I feel like in doing that, that freed him to perform in his id sense. Like, he, right. No, he was super id. And that's what we haven't seen in the camp. Like he was like, Jerry, the camera guy is right here. Like he was just there. You know what I mean? And that's what we loved about it. He was super id. <laughs>